So good to be with you this morning. I just want to give one more shout out to you mothers who are just amazing. I know for a lot of you, you're dealing with having to work from home and also homeschool your children. And that presents some unique challenges. I know my wife, Mary, that's been a real struggle for her. And I know she's not alone. I've read articles about women really struggling with that dual role of trying to work from home and then be a mother and a teacher all at the same time. And that what I've read, the experience that women are having is they either feel guilty that they're neglecting their kids or they feel guilty that they're neglecting their work. So if that describes you, you're gonna get through this. This is for a season. Keep pressing forward. Um, wanna welcome you also to all of you to our new sermon series that we are starting today, which we have titled Going Public. Um, with what's going on in the world, with, anytime there's really a crisis situation, especially a, such a global crisis situation, that presents the church with a unique opportunity. Uh, because during times of crisis, people start asking questions. They start a asking questions about what really matters in life. Um, they start asking questions about what, what is the meaning of life and how could one have a good life. And a lot of people are looking for hope, right? They want to have some assurance that they're gonna get through this time. And not only that they're gonna get through this time, but that they are going to be better for having gone through it. And so we as Christians have a unique opportunity to share Jesus with other people. Um, right now, I read articles where there has been such an uptick on people looking at how to pray on websites that are really based on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. There's been so much more traffic on their websites during this time. And so we have this unique opportunity to share the hope we have in Christ. Now, the problem is... Uh, there are barriers to sharing our faith, right? I think if a lot of us Christians are being honest, we, we fear sharing our faith. We feel as if we're ill-equipped. We feel as if we will say something stupid and make a fool of ourselves. We feel like, man, if I share my faith, I may ruin a relationship that I have with somebody. They may totally reject me or... I may say something that's just really stupid that actually serves to push them away from Jesus instead of closer to Jesus. And so we have all these barriers and really I, they're belief barriers that, that we deal with. And so the purpose of this new sermon series going public is we want to come alongside of you. We understand those fears. I think those are normal to have, but we want to help you to move through those fears so that you are a witness for Jesus. We want to equip you to share your faith in normal, natural ways with the people that are in your network of influence. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on in this series. Um, that's the goal of the series is to equip you to share your faith 
and uh, we're going to accomplish this goal of equipping you by over the next five to six weeks focusing on one aspect of being a witness for Jesus. And so just to give you uh, just a heads up of what's coming up, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, what are the motivations that we need to have so that we do push through those barriers that we are up against to share our faith. We're going to talk about that this morning. Next Sunday, actually in two Sundays, we got a guest speaker next Sunday, but in two Sundays, we're going to be talking about the role of prayer in, in being a witness for Jesus. Then we're going to talk about presence, all right? Jesus, he became one of us to reach us. How can we become one of the people we are seeking to reach? So, so we're going to be talking about presence. Then we'll go to demonstration. How do we actually demonstrate the gospel with our actions? How do we care for the people that we are seeking to reach? Then we'll go to proclamation. So how do we actually, with words, communicate the gospel message to the people that we have relationships with? And then, finally, we'll talk about discipleship. How do we come alongside those individuals that respond positively to the gospel message when we share it. How do we come alongside of them so that they grow in their faith journey, which that's discipleship. So that's where we're headed. Let's pray and we will talk about what are some motivations that we need to have that can really sustain us and give us the energy to be a witness for Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that uh, you did become one of us to reach us. Thank you that you were willing to go to such great lengths to sacrifice for us so that we could be rescued. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. And Lord, we desire to be able to share this amazing hope we have in you and yet we have all these fears. And so, Lord, we are asking that you would meet us with all those fears that we have. And that you, by your spirit, would give us the courage. And that you would give us the tools so that we can share about you with those in our life confidently in, in a natural way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to read to you Luke 10. It's the same passage we read last week. Uh, Jesus, he sends out 70 of his followers on mission to be a witness for him in his kingdom. So let me read the passage to you and then we'll really start looking at some of these barriers and what motivations can bring us past and through those barriers. So Luke 10 says this, starting at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither... Money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. 
And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And then skipping down to verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So, all right. So one barrier that one belief barrier that we have that people often have is that sharing your faith or sharing about the Christian worldview, sharing Jesus is reserved for church leaders and missionaries. Um, the, the, the truth is that every Christian is a witness. That's the truth. So if you were to go to Luke 9, and look there, you may get that idea because that, that only, it's like the only church leaders are to be witnesses for Jesus. Because in Luke 9, you have Jesus just sending out his 12 disciples, right? The, the main core leaders of this new movement that Jesus was creating. But here in our passage in Luke 10, you have Jesus sending out 70 of his followers to be a witness for him and his kingdom. This tells us that witnessing is for every believer, not just the church leaders, not the, just the paid missionaries. In fact, the commentators will tell you that that number 70 is, has meaning behind it. And they will tell you that that's symbolic of the table of nations back in Genesis 10. The table of nations was a list of the 70 nations that at that time filled the earth. And so what Jesus is saying here is, look, it's not going to just be the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians that are going to be my witness, but every Christian from whatever nation they're from is going to be my witness. And we're going to reach not just other Jewish people. We are going to reach all the nations of the earth, Jew and Gentile alike. Um, if you look at the Great Commission, you know, some people have said that, oh, you know, go into all the world making disciples of all nations. Um, some people have said, well, that was just for the, you know, 12 apostles. Um, but at the end of that great commission, uh, Jesus tells his apostles to teach them to obey, teach people to obey all that I have commanded you apostles, which part of what Jesus has commanded for the apostles is to be a witness. And so they are to teach every other Christian, every other disciple to be a witness. 
You know, some people have this idea that, you know, evangelism, which is sharing our faith in Christ, is just not a, my spiritual gift. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I really don't have to do it. Well, that doesn't add up either. I mean, uh, giving is a spiritual gift and serving is a spiritual gift. And you may not have that spiritual gift, but as a Christian, you are still required to give and to serve. It is evident that the early church had the belief that every Christian was to be a witness, and that's why it spread so rapidly throughout the Roman Empire in the first three centuries of the Jesus movement. Acts 8.4, in fact, tells us that when persecution really started to affect the church and started spreading Christians everywhere, they preached the word everywhere they want went. That's what Acts 8.4 tells us. Uh, a noted historian, Kenneth Scott Latterette, he makes this observation about how the gospel spread. The chief agents in the expansion of Christianity appear not to have been those who made it a profession or a major part of their occupation, but men and women who earned their livelihood in some purely secular manner and spoke of their faith to those whom they met in this natural fashion. I love it. That's how the gospel is going to spread during this pandemic, is if just your typical Christian follower of Jesus is willing to share the message of Jesus with the people um, they know. Second barrier that uh, is often a barrier of belief for us, and that is it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that one day they will share the same faith. Well, here's the motivation we need to blow past this barrier, and that is one's faith is uh, sharing one's faith is a way to love others. Um, one of the major findings of a 2019 Barna research study is that 47% of practicing Christians that are ages 20 to 34, this is the millennial generation, believe that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone that holds a different faith and hopes that they would share your faith, the Christian faith. 47% of millennial Christians see um, evangelism as like this wrong thing. Um, and really what has happened is secular, secularism, which is so prominent in our day and age, has really crept in to the mindset of many millennial Christians because the secularism tells you that uh, faith should not be in the public sphere. It should be reserved to the private sphere. Um, but <laughs> so if you think about this though, the secularists that, that really preach this kind of worldview, they are, and, and want people to hold to it, or hoping people will convert to that kind of way of thinking, they're doing the same thing that we Christians do when we share our faith worldview, right? They say the faith should be this very private thing, um, but that is a belief system in, in, in and of itself that they are trying to get other people to believe and follow. It's no different than a Christian sharing their faith. So it's, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I would also say, look, if you are convinced 
of the truth of the gospel and you see it as the thing that can totally transform a person from the inside out. You see it as the worldview that best explains why there's suffering in the world, why there's evil in the world, why there's so much good in the world, that best explains uh, what happens after death. And, and, and you are going to share it, right? Because you believe it could help somebody else. And so sharing your faith um, is such a wonderful thing to do. It's a loving thing to do if you really believe um, the, the Christian faith, right? So we need to know that sharing our faith is not morally wrong. It's actually a very loving thing to do. Barrier number three, people don't want to hear what I have to say. The motivation we need is that the harvest is actually truly great. Um, Jesus says that in Luke 10. So I was doing a time actually with my life group guys. I was doing a time of prayer, meditation, and reflection on this passage Luke, that I read to you in Luke 10. And as I did that, I felt as if the Lord was saying to me, Shane, do you truly believe that the harvest is great? Do you really believe that? And I had to confess and I confessed to my guys in my life group that I think I, this has been a belief barrier for me at different points where I think I've fallen into the trap of believing that people don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear about the gospel. People don't want to hear what I have to say. But Jesus is saying, look, there are people that really do. The harvest is great. And guess what? The research tells us that the harvest is still truly great. Again, the Barner Research Group, um, they did a, a, a study and they found that, and this was 2019, they found that 62% of non-Christians and lapsed Christians, and I'll explain that in just a second, say they would be open to talking about faith matters with someone. 62% of non-Christians and lapsed Christians. What's a lapsed Christian? Um, they identify as Christian, but have not attended church within the past month. Um, and only 4% only of these lapsed Christians consider their faith very important. But you have 67% of non-Christians and lapsed Christians that are open to talking to someone about uh, faith matters. What's even more encouraging is that millennials... The ones that, uh, you know, at least the Christian millennial, millennials struggle with, like, believing that it's okay to share their faith. But these non-Christian uh, millennials and these lapsed Christian millennials, ages 20 to 34, they are really open to talking about faith matters. And so this is exciting in my mind. So, the harvest is truly great. There are people that actually want to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Barrier number four, I am not far enough along in my own faith journey to share my faith. Have you ever felt that? I know there have been times where I felt that, man, I just don't know enough. Like, who am I to share about Jesus? Well, the motivation we need is that <laughs> the 70 that Jesus sent out in Luke 10, 
they weren't these polished, well-seasoned, uh, uh, mature Christians. The movement was just getting off the ground. They, there's so much they didn't know about Jesus, uh, so much they didn't understand about Jesus's mission, and yet they're on mission sharing the news about Jesus. And so I, I just want to emphasize, you do not need to be, you don't need to be a Bible scholar to share uh, and be a witness for Jesus. I mean, think about what a witness is. A witness is a person that simply reports on what they've seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced. That's what a witness is. And so for you to be a witness for Jesus, you simply have to share what you have seen and heard and experienced in regards to Jesus being the difference maker in your life. That's what a witness is. That's all you got to do. Do you have to fully understand uh, different, you know, theological concepts? No. Um, do you need to fully understand uh, how the Trinity works? No. You need to be a witness to what Jesus has done in your life. If you look at the Gospels, you see um, people that Jesus heals. Um, they don't go to seminary and then become a witness. No, <laughs> Jesus heals them and they start witnessing about Jesus right away. Even when Jesus tells them not to, they can't keep it quiet. Because they have experienced the good news of the kingdom of God. They can't help but talk about it. Um, one example is in John 9, you have Jesus. There's this man that's born blind and Jesus heals this man. And the religious leaders are questioning this man. And they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. Is he from God or is he this you know, evil, you know, person or whatever. And they asked the blind man about Jesus. And the blind man says in John 9, 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He was being a witness. Was his knowledge about Jesus drastically incomplete? Yeah, but that was okay. So, has Jesus given you a new identity? Have you found a new identity in Christ? If so, share it. Has Jesus enabled you to forgive someone that has deeply hurt you in the past? If so, share it. Has Jesus given you a heart for the outcasts of society and the marginalized of society? If so, share that. Has Jesus taken your angry heart and filled it with compassion for others who used to drive you crazy? Share it. You are simply sharing the difference Jesus has made in your life. That's what it means to be a witness. You can do that. Barrier number five. We fear that we will ruin a relationship if we bring up Jesus. We fear rejection, don't we? I mean, this is one of the main barriers to sharing our faith. Here's the motivation you need to uh, push past and through this barrier. Your identity is so secure as a beloved child of God. That's what needs to be so deep and real to your heart. Um, in Luke 10, Jesus, he told his disciples when he, when he sent them out, he said like, look, the harvest is great for sure. Uh, but 
I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, meaning not everybody's going to receive you and your message. Like you're going to experience rejection. Look, the gospel is offensive. There's just no way around it. The gospel tells us that we are all a hot mess and we can't fix ourselves. Um, that's offensive to some people. And so you can share the news and you can demonstrate it through how you care for the person you're sharing with. And, and you can say everything right at exactly the right time and exactly the right way with the right motivation and still yet you may be rejected. That's just the reality of it. So how do we overcome this fear of being rejected because it's a real possibility possibility and how if we are rejected as we are a witness for Jesus how do we wipe the dust off our feet like the disciples did in Luke 10 and move on to somebody that is actually receptive uh, Luke 10 20 there's a statement that Jesus makes when he's debriefing with the 70 he sent out in mission on mission he says, rejoice not because you're, because the demons you know, were subject to you um, through the authority I gave you, but rejoice that your name, your names are written in heaven. In other words, rejoice that you are a part of God's family. Rejoice that you are a beloved child of God. Rejoice in the fact that you are secure in the Father's love. Rejoice in the fact that your eternal future one of extreme blessedness is secure and, and nothing can take that away from you and nothing can snatch you out of God's hand. Um, rejoice in that because that is what gives you the security you need to go out and be a witness for Jesus and <laughs> endure the possibility of being rejected or actually endure being rejected. It also... Um, I think it's helpful for us to remember and Jesus, you know, he tells the 70 in verse 16, he who hears you hears me, he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And so what Jesus is telling his 70 followers is that, hey, if somebody rejects you as you seek to be a witness for me, really they're not rejecting you. Uh, they're re rejecting me. And so we need to keep that in mind too. Ultimately, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the Lord. That's who they're, they're denying. Now, here's the thing. When I have shared my faith in a non-judgmental, in a non-coercive, in a loving way, by and large, my experience has been that I haven't been rejected. In fact, it's been quite the opposite. Even though that you know, people have not always accepted the gospel message, I have found that they really appreciate that I would share something that means so much to me with them. And they really appreciate that I would share it with them because I feel like it, that it can help them, right? So they see it as me caring uh, for them. And I would add that if you have a friend that is not willing to hear you talk about something that is so near and dear to your heart, 
and they're going to reject you for doing that when you share it in a loving way then chances are the relationship really wasn't that good to begin with chances are this isn't a, a real friend anyways um, i think the reality is that the reason why many people have experienced share uh, rejection when they've shared the gospel is not because people are rejecting the gospel message that they're proclaiming but they're rejecting the messenger um, because the messenger is being a knucklehead is the best way I can put it. Um, the same Barna research study that said that 62% of non-Christians and lapsed Christians are open to having a talk with someone surrounding in, in, in regards to faith matters. <laughs> They also said that the Christians they know, well, they, they said they would do it under one condition. Here's the condition that they said, uh, these 62% who are willing to have that conversation around faith. They said they're willing to do it with someone who listens with a non-judgmental attitude. That's their one requirement. And um, what's sad about the report is that uh, Barna, they found out, all right, what has these uh, people's experiences been with Christians? And these people who are willing to have a conversation around faith, their experiences with the Christians that they know, um, only 34% of them say that the Christian relationships they do have, like the people that are Christians in their life that they've talked to, only 34% of them actually listen without judgment. Look, if people are going to be offended um, by anything, let's make sure that they're offended by the message and not by us being offensive, right? And the only way that we can share the gospel message uh, without being offensive uh, and doing it with gentleness and respect, that's what 1 Peter 3.15 commands, again goes back to our gospel identity how if how can we be arrogant how can we be prideful how can we be condescending if our hearts are overwhelmed with the truth of the gospel that tells us we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in jesus christ than we ever dared hope that should give us such a deep humility and such a deep compassion for other people and love and respect. One other thing I'll say on this fear of rejection, we gotta be careful that often our fear of rejection, we, when, we, when we fear rejection, we have taken our focus off the well-being of the person that we should be sharing with, and we have placed the focus on ourselves, and it's all about what we might lose if we share our faith how we might feel uncomfortable, how we might um, be rejected. It becomes about us and not the person's well-being when we fear rejection. We're, we're afraid about what we will lose. Let's not be those selfish people. A sixth barrier, barrier number six, we fear that we will say the wrong things at the wrong time, which will actually serve to destroy any possibility of the person putting their trust in Jesus forever. 
I know this is an extreme statement, but this is how our crazy brain works, isn't it? The motivation we need to, bring, you know, to move past this barrier is that God promises to give us what we need. Uh, Jesus, when he sent out the 70, he told them to not carry, the, don't carry anything. Don't, don't bring money, don't bring a knapsack, a bag. Uh, don't even bring an extra pair of sandals. Why? Jesus wanted them to know that, look, um, I'm leading here. You are my assistants. The success of this mission is really dependent on, upon me. And you have to depend on me uh, to do this mission well and to share well. Um, to me, this is a great relief. When, you sh when you're a witness for Jesus, Jesus is leading. You are simply assisting. He is doing the heavy lifting. Um, it says twice in verse um, 2 of our passage that it is the Lord's harvest. It's not our harvest. We are simply his workers, but this is his thing. Um, in Matthew 10, after Jesus sent out the 12 on a similar, a similar mission, he said, Do not worry about how or what you should speak, because the Spirit's going to enable you to know what to say when you need to say it. One last barrier here um, that we need to push through. The people in my social network are doing fine without Jesus. I think we can often think that. Like, who am I to interfere with their life? They're doing fine without Jesus. The truth is, they probably aren't. Um, look, we all know that the, what we project on the outside is often drastically different than what's happening on the inside. And so, Chances are the people in your life, or at least a lot of them, aren't doing fine. And they desperately need Jesus. They need Jesus for this life because only real, deep, lasting satisfaction, significance, and security is found in Him. They also need Jesus for the next life. As our passage makes clear, it talks about that day in the future when Jesus returns and He comes as judge. And um, the only way we're going to be able to pass that judgment is if we have Christ's righteousness, um, if we have his death credited to our account to pay for our sins. And so people need, desperately need this message, and that should give us motivation to share it. They need it for this life, and they desperately need it for the next life. So I just want to close up with this. Look, our faith... Um, our, well, I, I should say our fears in regards to sharing our faith are real. They're real fears. And I don't want to minimize those fears. I share a lot of those fears like you. Um, and we should listen to ourselves. We shouldn't suppress those fears and those emotions that come with those fears. But we need to spend more time uh, talking to ourselves than listening to ourselves. Um, and so the way we talk to ourselves about these fears and the way we talk to those fears is we tell ourselves, we preach to ourselves these motivational reasons for being a witness for Jesus. Being a witness for Jesus is my job. It's the job of every Christian. Sharing my faith isn't wrong. It's one of the most loving things I can do. There are plenty of people that want to hear the gospel message. I don't need to know everything to be a witness for Jesus. 
I probably won't be rejected for sharing my faith, but I am, but if I am, I have a gospel identity that says I'm accepted and secure in the Father's love. I don't have to fear saying the wrong thing. God's going to give me what I need. People desperately need the message of Jesus. They need Jesus now, and they need Jesus for the next life. That's what we got to tell ourselves. Um, so I want you to continue joining us for this sermon series because we are going to equip you to share your faith in normal ways.